You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, you're not uh, Elwood from the Blues Brothers, uh, dry well, white toast? It, de- it depends on what happened the night before, but every now and then, dry toast and a Coke isn't a bad idea. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Curra, joined by Brazilian Ty. Hopefully you had yourself a good Thanksgiving. I do want to say uh, you uh, Manitoba people are strong. <laughs> You'll make it through whatever you got going on. That is absolute uh, craziness going on there. I know it's called winter peg, but usually the leaves are off the trees and that just causes all kind of damage, but our Manitoba friends, I know you guys will uh, be okay, but uh, we're thinking of you at least. Let's uh, go through some new reviews, Brazilian Thai. Oh, good. This is this is what I wanted on a long weekend Monday. <laughs> <laughs> this has now become my favorite part of, uh, <laughs> of the oh. show. Oh, what about, you get to talk to me twice a week, like, I thought we were closer than that. <laughs> this one is from 138570. Oh, super original name. <laughs> well, come on. Have you heard of a username with that number? I'm 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 guessing they're the only one. <laughs> see, original. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. <laughs> CF, CFL football and food is what this podcast is about. Throw in some laughter and crazy talk and what's not to like. So five stars. I like that. I feel like the food talk is really needing to calm down now because my blood pressure goes through the roof when I find another thing that you don't like. It's easy. Um, the, the list will be easier if you just ask me what I'd like. And that yeah, won't upset you as much. I'm sure it's pretty much just a, a burger on a bun with nothing. It's like meat uh, and potatoes and bread, man. That's it. It's not, <laughs> it's not that hard. What do you put on bread? Peanut butter. Okay. I can... Something we see eye to eye on. <laughs> Smooth craft peanut butter. The chunky peanut butter can beat it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, you're not uh, Elwood from the Blues Brothers. Uh Dry well, white toast. <laughs> it, de- it depends on what happened the night before, but every now and then, dry toast and a Coke isn't a bad idea. <laughs> and this one's from Redhead Nikki, five stars. Only thing I'd change is better fantasy advice. I need That's all the fair. help I can that get. That is very fair. <laughs> I need all the help I can get to make it back on top of my league. Keep it up, guys. I'm just going to say, copy my picks. Okay, so you've had. Two weeks where you were like really, really good. But let's go back to the week that you told me you were going to quit. Don't <laughs> don't go that was back like two to weeks July. ago. Here's how bad it was in July, though. Um, oh. I had three weeks in a row in the fifties. Yeah, and then last week I had over 150 in one week. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we don't tell you who to pick. We just give you the info, and what you do with it is on you. 
<laughs> You're washing your hands of this. <laughs> I want I want nothing to do with this. I don't I don't hit submit lineup on on your lineup for you. <laughs> Let's talk about week 18. Join two and out for CFL fantasy and CFL pickup and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pickem.cfl.ca. All right, so on Friday, you actually sent me a message. Do we have to talk about Toronto and Ottawa? <laughs> I thought it was a fair question. <laughs> Where the Argos do win 28-21. I think the guy we have to talk about is SJ Green. Um, on the night, he eclipses 700 career catches. He mm-hmm. eclipses... 10,000 career yards. He had 10 catches on 12 targets for 170 yards. He couldn't get the touchdown in there because I believe he's on another nice even round milestone for his next uh, touchdown catch there as well. But I thought vintage SJ Green here and just a true pro, a true competitor right to the end, despite what the Argos have gone through this season. Has not been an ideal season in Toronto. Uh, you know, between not knowing who they're going to be starting, uh, it seems week in, week out. The, I have no idea what Corey Chamberlain is doing. Uh, SJ has been kind of the one constant uh, week in and week out. Uh, the targets haven't been there some weeks, but it seems that he makes the catches that he's supposed to make, and even the ones that you think he doesn't have a chance of making. Uh, we, we thought this guy's career was done two years ago. Yeah, the ACL tear. With the with the ACL tear. And he comes back with a 10 of 12 for 170 yards, 27 fantasy points. They kept him out of the end zone, which is kind of a win if you're the Ottawa defense. Uh, but it's just week in and week out. And, and it seems every year uh, SJ Green just continues to produce. And you even said it, and it's no slate against McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but he hasn't proven that you know he can win football games. In this I, I know he won, but I mean it was against Ottawa. But SJ, we just want to see SJ get one more shot with like a top tier quarterback, and and he's running out of time. And I, and I don't, I don't want to slight him in the least. But I mean, he is getting older when it comes to football, when it when it comes to being a professional athlete. And we'd like to see him get one more crack at it. He does turn thirty five in June, uh, and, and the way that. They were treating him this game. It almost seemed like a farewell tour, and I really mm-hmm. hope that it's it's not. His next touchdown will be his 60th. He is 103 yards away from 1,000 on the year. I kind of feel like the Argos... I, I really didn't know it was a hot take when I questioned them starting McLeod Bethel-Thompson here. It's I, not. I... <laughs> I I, I thought that they should look at the young guys. They've invested three years into, into Dakota Prukop and Michael O'Connor. He was just drafted this year. I mean, I kind of get that. But after three years, shouldn't you want to see what a Prukop can do? I, I think we know what McLeod Bethel-Thompson is. And then people make the argument, you've had him for three years. You know what he can do. No, you can't. No, you don't. He has got no sufficient playing time, no sufficient snaps with the number one offense, no chance to prove what he can do. This is the time of year. Your season's over. I don't understand trying to win football games at this point. Yeah, I guess in this game, they still mathematically had a shot if Edmonton lost to BC, which 
was a real possibility until about halfway through that first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe they do had to try up until this game, but 103 more yards for SGA to get to 1,000. Um, maybe they make that their mission to get him to 1,000 with a few games left on the year for the Argos, but maybe my favorite receiver I've ever watched in the past. Well, he first came into Montreal in 2007, but he first really started from the beginning of the season in 2010 when Montreal won the Grey Cup and when Green and Richardson were in oh. the same receiving core. It was just lethal. And I believe 2010 was that overtime game in Regina, was it not? To start it the was year? The, uh, that was the welcome to the CFL game from SJ Green. It was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that the was home ridiculous. Opener and that catch was, I still think, the greatest catch I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. Um, uh, I don't know. Brown in the Grey Cup kicking it up to his hands was pretty good. Yeah, that in the snow, that just adds the, to it, too. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Henry Burris brought it up because he was asked, when you're going after milestones like this, do you know? And he said, in a winning season, you don't. You, you don't pay right. attention to that stuff. But when you're having the season Toronto's having, you have to look for, and I hate to say it, moral victories or, you know, something that's going to make it easier to deal with what's going on as a team and, you know, give the guys something to play for other than just simply pride because that does wear out. Uh, so it is, It I, I think it will be something of a goal for them to get SJ Green these milestones. And I, 60 touchdowns seems low. Like, I mean, you would expect him to be getting like between ten and ten and twelve touchdowns a year, and and he's not. I know injuries have played a big part, but sixty just seems low for a guy with such name recognition in this league. Yeah, seven touchdowns between the last two years. He did mm-hmm. have double digits in twenty seventeen when they uh, made the Grey Cup, and that was the big comeback and year. And qu- quarterback play does have a lot to do with it. Uh, after Ricky after Ricky Ray was done, Ricky was thrown to him that year when he had fourteen hundred and sixty two mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. So I I would like to see SJ play with a good quarterback next year, or at least a good consistent offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know if that's in the cards, but uh, and not even Winnipeg they rush it too much if there was a bow to sj comparison to send him into the sunset i think that would be an incredible that's way the, and i'm sure that is the last thing i want to see is sj <laughs> green end up in calgary hey it could have happened if bow went to toronto um but yep. no not not with the sj going uh, going to Calgary. James Wilder Jr., I thought, even ran with some conviction. 15 mm-hmm. carries for 82 yards. He ran hard. Uh, we missed out on the big man touchdown. Uh, Ryan Bombin. <laughs> what a joke of a series, I thought, from uh, James Franklin. And he was kind of getting torn apart by uh, Henry Burris as well. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the first rushing attempt on first down was sad. He rifled the pass 100 miles an hour at Ryan Bauman, an offensive lineman, and then they finally get the touchdown on third down. But his time in Toronto, it's done, I think. I, at this point, where else does he go? Like, is his time? I don't like, know. <laughs> man, it's, it's, it's awful to watch. 
Yeah, I, I and think it's over. guess what? Still smiling. Yeah. Which yeah, is infuriating. I... <laughs> As for Ottawa, Will Art got the start. Uh, 288 yards, three picks, uh, two touchdowns. They listed Brendan Gillanders as a starting running back. So I uh, put him into my lineup. He had five carries for 15 yards, but added six catches for mm-hmm. 45 yards. R.J. Harris had a touchdown. Dominic Rimes had a touchdown. I think those two guys are actually a pretty good building block if they had somebody to throw them the ball next season. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, they were kind of buried when you have, you know, guys like Deontay Spencer and Greg Ellenson there. Brad Sinopoli is not going to be a number one receiver. So that, that, that position is for the taking. And if these guys can stay healthy, and like you said, I don't know if Will Arndt is the answer, but if they can get a quarterback that can can move the ball effectively and throw the football and deliver it to these receivers, those guys could have absolute monster years next year. All right, let's move on to the second half of that Friday night doubleheader where the Calgary Stampeders got by the Riders 30-28 to and take possession of first place in the Western Division. Things were a bit of an adventure to start this game off with, (laughs) I don't know if it was the wind or what, but kick returns from Marcus Thigpen were not good early in this game. Well, he dropped the first one and got it to about the 45, but after that, it didn't work out so well. And the game could have got ugly, but Nick Marshall picked off Bo Mitchell also in the mm-hmm. first quarter. So we had a couple scores, none of them done by the offense early on. No, which is exactly what we were expecting, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like I, I don't understand letting the ball bounce on that punt. Ah, or on kick returns. Like, come on. Or on, on the kickoff, sorry. Like, the one that Gilbert returned, right? Or, well, picked yeah. up the fumble. Yeah. Like, Ugh. why are you letting it bounce? You don't know where this ball is going to go. Catch it. And, and yeah, so what if you if you get tackled and you don't have a good return? You're not giving the ball up. Yeah. I, I don't get it. <sighs> that, was, uh, that was an adventure early on. And the same on punt returns. Catch the ball in the air. And if they're inside the five yards, guess what? It's a 15-yard penalty, not just a five. Yeah, absolutely. Catch, catching, catching the ball, unless it's uh, like a, a pass that is going to you know keep the clock running and you need it to stop, is never a bad thing. No. So catch the ball. I think uh, the one of the best in the league at that is Christian Jones. Uh, and he catches it on the run. He does. He does it by design. I mean, if somebody's mm-hmm. nearby, they're going to have that 15-yard penalty. And he, he is so, so good. He did that in Saskatchewan as well. He just seems like he understands the rule and he makes things happen here. I can't wait till uh, we get to later in this game. And I'm going to talk about my boy. And you are probably actually going to quit this episode. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the game just proved that the Riders just aren't on Calgary's level yet. Close, but they're not there. I I also think that home field advantage played a huge part. 
uh, you get late in the year, and it is real hard to go into Calgary and win football games. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, it, it was a big loss early on. I mean, there's there's a few plays that separate the teams here. Early on when yeah. Shaq Evans was wide open and Fajardo mm-hmm. just missed, it, missed him, but those are plays that you have to make to beat a team like Calgary. That one just didn't yes. happen. It was a close game, but on that same play, Trey Roberson ends up getting hurt and leaving the game. He left it on a cart. Mm-hmm. That's not good news for the Calgary secondary. No, not at all. And, you know, you're going to have instances in a football game. You're not, nobody's ever played a perfect football game. That yeah. is a thing that will never happen. Uh, and if you think it's happened, you're a fool. I think the closest <laughs> thing would be the Giants just not giving the Bills the ball in the Super Bowl, basically, and then winning on a on a kick that goes wide right uh, and completely changing the game plan. And we haven't seen a team do anything like that. Uh, you know, you're not you're never going to play a perfect game, but you have to minimize your mistakes. And that that incomplete pass to Shaq Evans is a huge gut punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a chance to go up early. And, you know, especially to burn Trey Roberson, turns out, you know, something went wrong. Uh, and Saskatchewan didn't really take advantage of Roberson being out. No, they didn't. And I don't know if the, if the, if the game plan, I'm assuming part of the game plan would have been to minimize Roberson's impact uh, and, you know, try to keep the ball away from his side of the field and, and trying to find another options. But once he goes down, you have to make adjustments and the adjustments just didn't seem to be there. Uh, they, the riders did have a long drive, 75 yards late in mm-hmm. the game to kind of make the, the score close. Uh, there was a 34 yard touchdown catch from William Powell that kind of, he looked like a receiver on the play, but still only eight carries for 50 yards. He had over six yards a carry. The leading rusher for the riders was the quarterback again, 10 carries, 67 yards Fajardo's just taking a pounding out there. I, mm-hmm. I feel like they need to shift that to the running back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Uh, we've already seen one quarterback go down, uh, you know, and the more and more beating Fajardo takes, the more and more his body's going to break down and, you know, be more liable to injury. And I don't wish injury on William Powell. And I don't think that, you know, that's what I'm, that I don't think that's what people are going to think I'm saying, but, you know, he's built to run the ball. Yeah, he's a running back. (laughs) He is a running back. He is bigger than Cody Fajardo. Uh, You know, and if Cody Fajardo takes a hit to the head and has to go into clutch protocol, it's a bigger loss to your offense than William Powell. If he gets the same thing and has to go into clutch protocol. So, I mean, uh, 10 carries, I get it. If they're designed runs, that's different where, you know, stuff is opening up. But a lot of these were just play breakdowns. And he is—he has three or four guys draped on him, and he's still pushing forward for two or three yards. It's just, I'm just waiting for a knee to blow up. He is a warrior. Uh, he he mm-hmm. takes punishment. He's another one of those tough guys. And with Mike Riley going down, I think the most consecutive starts probably is Cordy Fajardo with the next one, isn't it? Uh, I believe so. It would have been. It would be Vernon Adams Jr. if he didn't get suspended, would it not? Yeah, I guess uh, VA is one of the Ironmans at quarterback this mm-hmm. season as well since taking the job 
from Antonio Pipkin. But there's there's another one. Uh, Brett Lowther ended up missing a 48-yard field goal. So there's another yeah. difference in the points that were made up that'll be uh, hard for Ryder fans to forget when it comes to losing first place in the West. But the Ryder offense was really limited. And without that 75-yard drive, uh, Fajardo's numbers probably look a lot worse. They are pretty pedestrian as they are with 20 of 32, oh, That's a really good use of the word pedestrian. <laughs> a pick and an interception. Naaman Roosevelt had five catches for 60 yards, but he continues to go to Corey Watson as sort of that safety blanket. Six mm-hmm. catches for 54 yards. I think Watson, at his age, he's having a great year. And, you know, being able to have a Canadian, uh, you know, being able to produce like that makes a huge difference where you can put an American at at another position, especially on the offensive line if you need to. Yeah, Corey Watson uh, turned 35 years old back in March. He's uh, been in the league, started with Winnipeg in 2010, but this year he's got 376 yards on the season. He is actually... He's only about 60 yards, I believe. Oh, no, he had a 500-yard year in 20... Oh, he had an, almost an 800-yard year in 2011. But it is his, uh, he's been a consistent receiver over the last few years, right around mm-hmm. that 350 to 450 mark. And at 35 years old, and yes, a Canadian, he's just been one of those reliable guys. It's almost like they look to him in you know, pressure situations instead of dumping it off to the running back. Yeah, and I William Powell's usage this year has just been mind-boggling to me. I, I don't get it. It's super inconsistent. Uh, but at the same time, if they're going to move the football using Corey Watson, instead of dump us off to William Powell, if you're moving the ball, you're moving the ball. But uh, teams are going to start keying in on that, and you're going to have to find new ways to, to convert first downs. The Riders secondary needed to play well because they ended up losing Micah Johnson in this game. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long-term that is going to be. He ended up having a sack on Bo Mitchell, but without him, Charleston Hughes didn't really have an impact in this game either. I know at this point of the season, he's got that big brace on his arm. They gave him a game off a few weeks ago just to have a break, so he's he's banged up as well. Everyone's banged up at this point of the mm-hmm. season, but the Stamps couldn't really take advantage of that, and their running game hasn't really moved at all at any point this season. And then they ended up putting anti Milanovic leader in there, and I know your eyes are rolling right now, but that not guy, <laughs> that guy runs like he does not care what's going to happen to him, and I'm a fan of that. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong; that's fun to watch when he gets the football. You know, as a Canadian, and with Don Jackson not getting it done, and I know we can cherry pick. Uh, taking the 16-yard run out of out of Milanovic leaders total here, but he had over five yards of carry. If you take Don Jackson's seven-yard run, then he only has six carries for 18 yards. It hasn't been pretty mm-hmm. for Don Jackson or Kadeem Carey. Well, K- Carey probably had the most success uh, this season mm-hmm. at running back for the Stamps, but I-, I don't know what they have to lose if they just start a Canadian at that position and just let Milanovic leader run wild. I I don't think they lose much 
com- considering what they're getting from Don Jackson right now. Uh, you know, and the passport makes a huge difference. It helps out uh, in other parts of the field. I don't think you go out and make him your number one right now. I think you give him a chance to show what he can do. I mean, one game does not a season yeah. make. Of but course. If, if he can prove that, you know, these numbers are somewhat sustainable, you know, around four and a half, five yards of carry and making it easier for the offense uh, on second down, I, I don't see the harm in it at all. I'm not ready to anoint him the next John Cornish by any means, but. I mean, the hair, not caring, reckless abandon. The great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to. I want to see this guy get a shot. I don't know if it is Calgary at the last game of the year where you know they have their position locked up and they just let him run with the ball. I, I don't know. If that's I don't when it think happens, they're but... losing grip on first place. Yeah, this uh, this next home and home with Winnipeg is really going to decide first because pl- let's face it. It's not locked up for Saskatchewan to go through the West either. If Trevor Harris comes back, of course the Riders would have to lose to BC for it to get really interesting. And knowing the Riders, that's a distinct possibility. (laughs) But then if Trevor Harris comes back after the bye for the Eskimos and they sweep Saskatchewan, then then this whole thing is crazy. (laughs) Don't get get me wrong. I want to cheer for chaos. I know. I, like I want everybody to have like 22 points and or 20 points and, you know, yeah. it all comes down to tiebreakers and crap like that. But why do you do this to me? <laughs> Reggie Bagleton had 90 yards for the Stampeders. Eric Rogers had four for 52. And Josh Huff was not the unsung hero for the Stampeder receiving core this week. He did have couple key misplays there that would have made his day a lot better. But Hergie Mayala, five catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. As a rookie drafted this year, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, he might be the West nominee for rookie of the year. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, just anoint him right now, but it's been a great season for the rookie. It has been. And, you know, and it's getting better. Get, and it, <laughs> You know, and it sucks to see a guy lose a spot to injury, but I mean that's how you're going to get chances as a young guy uh, in in this league, and he's taking full advantage of it. And yeah, I'm trying to think of another rookie that you could look at for that, and it's it's hard to think of one. Yeah, I mean he's on offense, so that means he stands out uh, mm-hmm. to us, and I, I will readily admit that. But things were getting a bit nasty in this game, and. Oh, man. Chris Kasher gets ejected. Was that late in the first half when yeah. Cody Fajardo gets hit and Kasher sort of hung on to his leg, gave it a little bit of a twist when he rolled over, and the officials caught it and ejected him right there. I was actually impressed that the officials caught that. There was one standing I, right there. I don't there. think they did. Oh, the upstairs guys? I think so. Think about who ref this game. Because <laughs> at first I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, uh, Bradbury's going to put on a show here. Um, so Casher gets thrown out of the game. It was very subtle even, but when you watch it on TV, it's clear as day. You got ripped apart uh, by the panel at halftime as well. But... 
Bo Mitchell in his halftime interview basically complains that the officials are against them. Yeah. It's like, it's one sided and we gotta figure that out. Come on, Bo. Pull your head out of your ass. What what did you think, by the way, of the pass interference on Ed Ganey? Because I thought that was textbook coverage. I, man, I just I don't even know what pass interference is anymore. Yeah, there was one in the Edmonton game that we gotta talk about. <laughs> like I, I don't understand what's going on anymore. It just doesn't make any sense. It just came off to me in Bo defending his guy, but almost like defending the actions because, oh, they're doing it to me too, you know? Then then show us all of the times that it's happened. Yeah. If, go, if make, this... go make a tape and show us and we'll believe you. If these teams play in uh, the playoffs, it's just going to be uh, that much more amplified. <laughs> Oh. Uh, and that's what like, I want. <laughs> I'm just going to delete Twitter and Facebook and just live in the dark. <laughs> oh, that is good. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB Financial. Does your business need a boost or are you looking to boost a local company? Well, check out Booster from ATB. It's a unique way to crowdfund and support local businesses and get special offers from the companies. Designed by Albertans for Albertans. Businesses get support from advisors and the community. Visit atbbooster.ca and that's Booster, B-O-O-S-T. TR.ca to check out who you can boost today. ATB understands that sometimes we all need a boost. That's why they invented Booster, a crowdfunding platform for small businesses. So you have an idea and you want to test it with a crowd, you can raise funds to grow and expand into the community. So whether you're a cafe in need of a new espresso machine or a boutique wanting to open a new location, check out ATB Booster to find out more. The third game of the week had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers getting by the Montreal Alouettes. They really handled them here. 35-24 to props to the folks at IG Field for getting that stadium in tip-top shape because I'm pretty sure at like 4 that morning it was just covered in snow. And by the time game time rolled around, it looked pretty good to go. It was actually better than the Grey Cup in Edmonton last year. So well done <laughs> to those. Yeah, and they in- had to repaint everything. Better. Better field conditions than the NFL game they had there, allegedly. Yeah, and look at that. Nobody was bitching and moaning about them either. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, weird. Uh, Andrew Harris talked about time pos- time of possession at halftime, and that's what the Bombers did here. They had the ball for nearly 35 minutes here, and they just ran all over uh, the the Bombers. They had, or the Alouettes. They had over 200 yards rushing. <laughs> <laughs> That'll beat up any defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, to get hit in the mouth like that repeatedly will wear anybody down. The thing that pisses me off is how Chris Trevler throws for 174 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and still wins a football game. <laughs> well, like Brandon Adams I, threw for four interceptions. Mon- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh but that's where the Bomber defense has not succeeded as much as of late over the so past. It's finally coming back. Yeah, basically, it's been three seasons of the Bomber defense just 
forcing turnover after turnover after turnover. And then mm-hmm. in this game, it happened again. It was just... And that's what won them the game here because the Bombers tried to lose it. Streveler threw a late interception. (laughs) Andrew Harris had a late fumble. The Alouettes had all the opportunities in the world to win this game. I mean, Mario Alford, the guy returns uh, a touchdown and then, well, that's the second game in a row for him. So the guy is clearly electric on returns. But then another return later on... (laughs) He almost fumbled it in his own end zone and picked it up and tried to escape. That could have been another six points for Winnipeg, too. Mm-hmm. So returns for it were definitely a, uh, uh adventure for Mario Alfred. But Kahari Jones said this game was a learning experience. I can think of that moment that was a learning experience. I think every single player that's going to return a kick in a season has to go to a class. It's like eight hours long. <laughs> on the rules much like the nfl is like the rookie symposium where they bring guys in and be like hey don't do this you know do this talk right. don't talk to these kind of people blah blah blah. they do the same thing with with returners if you're inside your five do this if it's in the end zone do that like guys just don't know what's going on i think that is the position that might have the most wrinkles as an american coming to canada to play oh. For sure. <laughs> there is so much going on and so much that you can't do. But I think of another moment where Jake Weineke went offside. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Vernon Adams was doing. I don't know if he spiked the ball sort of in frustration that he was offside. He tried to, but he spiked it backwards. <laughs> and that, so that, could... <laughs> that good, sir, is a fumble. That could have been real ugly. For the Alouettes, the game actually should have been. It's only a 14-yard loss. It should have been maybe 50 points put up by the Bombers here, but with the offense not being able to move the ball through the air, this is what Mm -hmm. they got, right? Yeah, just grind it out, eat up as much clock as you can. If the other team doesn't have the ball or have the opportunity to get the ball, they're not going to score points, and that's basically what Winnipeg did. I think that there's an opportunity for Rashid Bailey if he stays on this roster to kind of be another one of those last few weeks fantasy heroes mm-hmm. because he's a big guy, he's fast. Uh the the people that cover Lucky the Whitehead bombers, hasn't been producing. He hasn't been. And the people that say or the cover the team, they say Bailey just goes 100 miles an hour in practice and mm-hmm. he basically forced his way onto this roster and was the reading leading receiver. For them at five catches, 86 yards, maybe he could be. I know I love the King, but Bailey, I mean, the King contributed with a nice little block (laughs) on one of his plays as well. I can't forget about that. (laughs) But Bailey might be one of those unsung heroes as we uh, get close to the playoffs. Well, and I mean, you look at the receiving core for, for Winnipeg, you know, we know all of them. Like, we know Darvin Adams. We know Nick Dembski. Drew Wolitarski. Lucky Whitehead when he's in the lineup. Uh, Kenny Lawler. Like, but the, nobody's putting up gaudy numbers. No. I mean, 5 of 7 for 86. Not not the best receiving performance we've ever seen. Uh, but there is a lot of potential there. And like you said, he's a big body. Darvin Adams, not that big. Nick Dembski, not that big. Uh, and Nick Dembski's kind of turned into a, like a scat back. Like, I mean, 
they were using him all over the field to the point where it's almost not even worth starting him because you don't know what he's going to be getting in this offense. Uh, and if Rashid Bailey can perform like this and consistently, there's no reason uh, that he won't be on this roster, uh, you know, for, for well, for the rest of the year for sure. But, I mean, next year uh, they're going to have a hard time because I, I just the contract situations and everything in Winnipeg, they're going to need guys and they – that's what's going to come down to uh, late in the year. I know they're still fighting for a playoff spot, but guys are still going to kind of be playing for jobs because they know that jobs might be available. Now, while Latarski ended up having a touchdown in this one, I can't remember. Who who was his roommate in college? <sighs> Chris Strebler. <laughs> I, you know how I said that I hate Rod Peterson? <laughs> a couple yeah. shows ago yeah like can I just have a list of rods that I hate <laughs> instead of people because it only seems to be certain people that I hate and it's usually because their name is Rod <laughs> like I know the horse is dead but we don't have to keep beating it <laughs> Uh, Vernon Adams was contained in mm-hmm. this one by Winnipeg, and I think a lot of it is them losing their starting offensive tackle in Tony Washington. Willie Jefferson was not almost in the back, backfield in every play. Like, like not a huge surprise. <laughs> he, Can you imagine if Washington was in there? He would have he he would have had like five or six sacks. <laughs> so they probably had a better game with Estelle at left tackle. It, it, it actually looked like the offensive line couldn't engage him at all. Like he would just literally push him out of the way and have his mm-hmm. free reign. And if he wanted to, he would just drop back. And he actually leads the league in past knockdowns, which on one hand is not surprising. But on the other hand, he's a D lineman. <laughs> yes, that's a little ridiculous. It is really ridiculous right now so he he made some plays in the fourth quarter and can you name the last defensive lineman to lead the league in knockdowns were you paying Uh, attention uh, i saw this remind me fred perry oh wow wow 2010 that guy was a monster with 10 in 26 in 2006 it wasn't 2010 i just i just had the numbers I just had the numbers kind of mixed up, missed up. But, yeah, it was 2006. Fred Perry had 10 uh, pass knockdowns. Uh, Willie Jefferson has 12. So there's that. Going into yeah. the game, and yeah, I'm pretty so sure he's he's he had one four, or two. So now he's got two more, so he's got 14. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Jake Weineke had the 30-yard touchdown that ended up saving his day. Uh, fantasy-wise, but Quan Bray had the long touchdown at the end that saved his day as well. Five catches for 99 yards. It was just one of those games where the Bombers controlled everything. It was Winnipeg Blue Bomber football again, and if they can just get Strebler to stop with the interceptions, they're going to be really tough to beat. It's It's a tall order when they're playing the Calgary Stampeders over the next two weeks. But there were seven mm-hmm. total penalties for 50 yards in this game. 
There are a few other teams that really need to look at what these teams do, and they would probably win a few more games. (laughs) Oh, who are you talking about? (laughs) Should should we just go to the next game? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, this one was hard to watch. Uh, The Eskimos beat the Lions 19-6. And I actually, I was at the game. Shout out to the Edmonton Eskimo Empire boys for uh, having a great tailgate. They had chili in a bread bowl. I ate two bread bowls. It was just awesome. <laughs> but then the game started. And, well, let's face it. Odell almost killed Logan Kilgore in the <laughs> first quarter. And it looked like the kid probably bit right through his tongue. And we talk about Mike Riley being a warrior. Kilgore has been beat up over the last few weeks as well. He, he He's missed days of practice with other injuries. And then this happens to him. There were a couple times in this game where I noticed he had to peel himself off the turf. Like He was just in yeah. brutal, brutal shapes. So I, I don't know how he survived the rest of the game there. There was actually a moment that I thought may now be the best live mic moment of the season where Rashad Simonize makes a catch and ends up fumbling the ball and Edmonton fights to get it back late. They reviewed it. They said it was BC ball. They came back after the commercial, reviewed it or they said it was Edmonton ball. They come back after the commercial. They reviewed it, said it was BC ball again. The whole thing was a mess. So players were yelling at each other, and Danny O'Brien said something like, just because y'all yell it doesn't mean that's what it is. And then Edmonton... You can't just walk in here and and yell at the guy to change his call. (laughs) And then the Eskimos offensive lineman, he says, yes... Loudest yeller wins. And then Logan Kilgore comes over and he says, look at my tongue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man. Danny O'Brien and Logan Kilgore know each other from training camp, I think, uh, in Edmonton this year. But it was just one of those purely innocent moments where the defensive backs and the receivers are literally fighting each other. And these guys <laughs> are just saying... Look at my tongue. <laughs> uh, so, also in the first quarter, Mike Riley gets hit by Kwaku Boatang, and it was just one of those freak accidents where his elbow hits the ground and his fist is wedged up against Boatang, and he's a big man. Something had to give, and it was Mike Riley's wrist, and that ended it. That ended BC season right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was, it looked innocent enough, but yeah, you know, I'm surprised it took this long. <laughs> the odds for, usually for Mike even Riley, out. <laughs> for Mike Riley to, to actually get knocked out of a game. Uh, you know, the last standing starting quarterback and it looked innocuous enough, but, uh, when he was walking up the field, I thought shoulder initially, but. Uh, just with the way he had his head turned and everything, but yeah, holding the wrist yeah. and came out later, it was broken. Yeah, 
you know, it doesn't help. Like, yeah, they lost the games. Their season's over, but their season was over the minute that happened. I don't think anybody had a lot of faith in Danny O'Brien coming in and winning this football game. Yeah, if you ever said, why is quarterbacking so important in the CFL, I would say just watch this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is... uh, This game just proved it. Um, Brian Burnham had eight targets and two catches for 29 yards. That doesn't happen with Mike Riley throwing him the ball. like That was just uh, uh, rough. You could tell he was frustrated. Obviously, it was a game that would keep their playoff hopes alive, and O'Brien just didn't have it. Uh, Deron Carter only had two catches. Shaq Johnson, two catches. John White had four of them, but that's the running back. Those are the easiest throws to make. I think the story of this game was the after the whistle stuff. And there was a lot of it happening in this game. And I thought Ben Major and his crew, they basically lost control of things here. Uh, Yep, I would agree with that. It It, seemed every... Every single short, well, just about every single play, there was there was stuff going on. And you know what? If there was a quarterback that the Lions probably had more faith in, or he had more more going on and more time, then they probably win this game. But Money Hunter, <laughs> he he still takes these stupid penalties. He stops. Deron Carter, he kind of sits on his head as Deron wants to get up, and then he wanders over to the BC bench, taunts them. <laughs> this guy takes stupid penalties for the Eskimos every single week. Um, yeah, it's I'm like they have sure, Chris Edwards again. I'm pretty sure he had 30 yards in penalties against Calgary in the, was that the Labor Day rematch or maybe even the Labor Day game? I, I know that the Eskimos... They stopped taking penalties, and then they stopped winning. But somehow they bring this edge back on defense. They take stupid penalties all over again. They had 14 of them for 170 yards. But then the defense is playing better. Like, how do they find a middle ground? Because it's just either not physical, uninspired, or the complete opposite and just over the top. I I don't know. I it's it's exhausting to keep trying to think of ways that they can change this. <laughs> and it always it comes back to one to one result. Yeah. And it's fire Jason Moss. Like for the seventh game this year they've taken they took over a hundred penalties or a hundred yards in penalties. That's insane. seven games. Seven games you took a Almost a full football field in penalties. That's embarrassing. And the penalties they're taking are not good ones. No. It's like in hockey, you get an instigator penalty, your team's going to kill that off. You take a stupid high-sticking penalty 200 feet from your own net, that's the power play you get scored on. Like These penalties are dumb, and they're so hard to come back from, and they kill any momentum you had in that game. And it, and it makes and it makes Money Hunter look like an absolute idiot. I know it was Logan Kilgore, but the Lions' defense is the the one that kept them in the game. They stopped them on the goal line three plays 
in a row. They actually made the Eskimos struggle on short yardage altogether. But not only did they lose Mike Riley, they also lost Aaron Grimes. Uh, They're fearing it's a torn ACL. It just sucks that the Lions... After all they've been through this season, they fight back to get to this point to have still have a shot to get into the playoffs, and then they lose two veterans. I, I think Riley should probably be okay by training camp next year, but Aaron Grimes probably not going to be okay by training camp next year, and if he does play next year, it's going to be sometime in the middle of the year at least to six weeks into the year anyway. It's just, Mm -hmm. it sucks to see that. That's not exactly what BC needs, right? No. I I mean, no no team needs injuries, but when you know a guy is probably not going to be ready for camp, that just makes it so much harder uh, when you you look at it that you have to fill a spot that you thought was going to be filled already. Uh, Now it just adds extra complications to it and like you said you don't as much as we don't like Aaron Grimes that much as a player uh just you know with his attitude and everything you still hate to see a guy go down like that uh Shaq Cooper at 18 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown John White had 11 carries for 84 yards over seven yards a carry I mean he, he had himself a great game. Shaq Cooper added three catches for 11 yards Christian Jones actually started at receiver and he had three catches for 17 yards. He also, uh, he had over, well over 100 yards in returns as well. So, I mean, if he keeps starting at receiver, that might be a cheap option to put in. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he he's a running back on CFL Fantasy. But Greg Ellingson, he had a big game here. Six catches for 133 yards. The tough part is just predicting when it's going to be him getting the 100 yards because I haven't been able to predict it yet. It's like he goes off and he has a massive game or it's four catches for 54 yards or something like that. It can't be done. (laughs) There's no magic eight ball. (laughs) No. Uh, Glenn Suter was ripping both teams apart in this one for what they were doing after the play. So I think I'll just leave it to him because I don't know if I could say it any better. <laughs> no, he pretty much summed it up perfectly. Yeah, like, I I 100% agree with that. Uh, teams, I mean, even at the end of the game, they got into it again. So uh, it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see what the Lions look like next year. They have signed Brandon Bridge. Uh, for the rest of the year uh, as some insurance at quarterback. They need some guys to play the position for the final few games of the year. We'll see if he has a shot to compete for number two next year. I think that number two spot, I don't even think, yeah, it's wide open. I I agree. I don't think it's (laughs) O'Brien's. No. (laughs) No. I (laughs) know. Mike Mike Riley's backups don't usually have to be huge contributors. Yeah. <laughs> uh but it does help to have somebody back there uh in the case we know that he takes a beating, so it is nice to have a little bit of a veteran present back there, but I mean he's going to have to earn it. I don't think he's just going to be handed the job. And I think one more thing we have to add to that game, how was that pass interference on Deron Carter at the end of the first half? You tell me because that 
if that's that must be a new rule that I didn't know <laughs> I, about because that was embarrassing to call I that saw, pass interference. I saw Taekwon Glass. I watched it about fifty times before we recorded. Like he kind of held his hand back, but that was it. There, there was nothing to make him stumble like he did. It was just Duran selling it, and then he got the flag. And then I thought for sure when he, when Moss threw the challenge flag, that it was going to get overturned, and for it still to stand. Yeah. Just absolutely blown away. I, I don't know how that stood at all. It didn't cost Edmonton the game, so I guess that's the one positive of that sentence. Because if it mm-hmm. did, then it would be a real farce. Yeah, oh man. Like I, <laughs> I know. Like we, whenever there's a challenge, we we text each other. Yeah, and we try to see who's going to get it right. And I've just given up. <laughs> that's fair. It's not even that- worth it anymore. How were uh, your picks this week? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I went three and one. I ended up winning my Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge matchup with Safamod from Piffles Podcast. You won yours though, right? Barely. <laughs> it was ugly, but it counts. Oh, they don't ask how; they just ask how many. <laughs> Who were you against? Uh, Horseman Radio, Sheldon. Sheldon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you, I thought uh, I thought early that I was not going to to fare very well, and uh, you know, starting Will Arndt wasn't the best decision I've ever made, but it worked out. His two touchdowns in the fourth saved you, I think. Yeah, that didn't hurt. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Who were the top performers this week? It wasn't really. Uh, if I had to guess, it was probably like Armani Edwards. Fergie Mayala, S.J. Green, and McLeod Bethel Thompson. <laughs> oh, oh! so do you just have the sheet? Do you just want to do this? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came to quarterbacks, um, it was not a great week. To say the least, nobody hit 20 points. Uh, if the math was done correctly. Which, I know, it... It probably wasn't, but McLeod Bethel-Thompson leading the way at 18.8. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, 17.9, and then Cody Fajardo at 17.1. Will Arndt had 14, Chris Shover 13.4, and then like Logan Kilgore and Daniel Bryan we won't even have to talk about because they were under 10 <laughs> each. Like, not a very good game. Wow. Uh, SJ Green, Herji Mayala, RJ Harris, Armani Edwards, and Quan Bray uh, were all above 20 points. For receivers, Andrew Harris... Uh, William Powell, Shaq Cooper, uh, we were top three running backs. What a weird week! <laughs> yeah, like this is—it's like 2011, man. SJ Green leading the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it was—it was an interesting one to and watch. Quarterback play this sure. week left a lot to be desired. Um, we got to mention two and out live happening November 21st at Booker's Barbecue Grill and Crab Shack. Is sold out. That's it. We're not. We're not releasing any more tickets. There aren't going to be any tickets released. So those people that bought tickets, you're guaranteed to have a seat in front of the stage and have a good view and get your first uh, drink covered. Good is good is a loose term. <laughs> if if you do still want to be at Booker's 
for Two and Out Live, you can still do that. If you book a table there, you'll get a spot inside the bar. And you'll have all the good eats that Booker's has. We just can't guarantee that you'll have a view of the stage and be able to hear the show 100%. But still, we encourage you to book a table at Booker's Barbecue Grill and Crab Shack for the afternoon of November 21st, Grey Cup Week in Calgary, so you can be in the place for all the action for 2 and Out Live. And then coming up, let's see here, 48 hours, we're going to make the orders for 2 mm-hmm. and Out shirts, Ty? Yes, sir. We have about 45 shirts, so uh, still a little bit of time to to get your orders in. You know, you can get us on Twitter, uh, off on the website. You can send us an email, uh, and uh, you, you can try Instagram. I've checked it. I haven't seen anything. Uh, but, yeah, those orders are going out Wednesday, and uh, I've emailed the people who've already uh, ordered, uh, just trying to set up e-transfers and stuff because... It would be nice to get a majority of people paid because this is all going to go on somebody's credit card uh, to get these shirts made. And then all the proceeds, of course, uh, go to CFL Fans Fight Cancer. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, email through the website, 2andout.ca, uh, to get your orders in for 2 and Out shirts. I guess we're going to make those orders tomorrow. Uh, we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, where a few of our podcasts have been nominated for Canadian Online Publishing Awards, which, man, there's so many talented podcasts in this network, I, I don't know how we fit in, but... <laughs> That's fair. You... That's fair. <laughs> in the direction of speaking municipally, uh, Taproot Edmonton presents a weekly discussion of municipal politics. Troy and Mac pay attention to city council so you don't have to. These guys, they're wearing... Not all heroes wear capes, but man, if they're paying attention to city council meetings, they should be wearing capes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they stay awake. <laughs> Well done to those guys. Check out Speaking Municipally, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Go to albertapodcastnetwork.com to check out all the shows. And if you need any tickets for any events, either north or south of the border, seatgiant.ca. Because it's Canadian-owned and operated. You've got Canadian currency on the website. You don't get any crazy surprises on your credit card afterwards. And if you use the promo code APN, you're going to save 5% and support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process as well. We got week 19 coming up Toronto, Montreal, Saskatchewan, BC, Ottawa, Hamilton, and Winnipeg, Calgary. Grab your tickets at seatgiant.ca with the promo code APN. Hopefully, you had yourself a good Thanksgiving. We will talk to you on Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.